Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project, where purpose-driven leaders unite to change the game of life and business forever. Here are your hosts, Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvroski. Welcome to a bonus episode of Maintenance Disrupted. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this bonus episode, we are joined by Brian Bieschke to talk about maintenance leadership. So if you don't know about Brian, he is a maintenance leader at T. Parker Host, and he was also a member of the Leadership Launchpad Project High Impact Leadership Program that we ran in the fall of 2020. As part of that program, Brian has really stepped out and become a high-impact leader both at his workplace and in his home. The reason we're bringing this interview to you on the Maintenance Disrupted feed is Brian talks a little bit about maintenance leadership specifically. And we are also running another Leadership Launchpad Project high-impact leadership program starting in June. So if you want to be part of the next high-impact leadership program, you want to get those gains that you've seen in Brian, you can join us. Go to robsreliability.com leadership. We are giving you a $500 discount from now until May 21st. So definitely go to robsreliability.com leadership and sign up today. As part of the Leadership Launchpad Project High Impact Leadership Program, you're going to get 12 weeks of materials, 12 weeks of videos, 12 weeks of group coaching online, and then also you're going to get individual coaching sessions with myself or with Lauren Williams. We're going to be able to help you with any leadership questions, both personal questions around how you can connect with your values, how you can become a high-impact leader, how you can start changing culture, how you can engage your people. Those are the questions we're going to help you tackle. I think a lot of you, if you followed my journey, you'll know how I got here. But for those of you who don't, I started this podcast in 2018, and I really leaned into the technical maintenance and reliability fundamentals. We've talked about RCM, RCA, predictive maintenance technologies, AI, machine learning, all these different avenues. And over those 130 episodes around that I hosted, I kept seeing and hearing the same answers from the guests. And not only did I hear those answers, I also experienced those answers in my career in mining and in oil and gas and in consulting. And those answers and the issues were never the technical knowledge. Like you can find the books, you can read You can take the training courses, you can read everything, you can watch the videos. It all had to boil down to implementation and culture change and people and getting buy-in from people. And that's where you've seen me launch in this new direction towards leadership. People are the answers to the question. How do we improve reliability? How do we change? How do we get better? It's through the people. That's where you've seen this new direction in me. And you've also seen the results play out for people like Brian, people like Dylan Day, people like Garrett Earl, people like Charlie Matthews, which you'll hear those interviews coming out in the next few weeks. So if you want to get results like that, you want to become 
a leader in your workplace. You want to become a leader in the maintenance community. You want to become a leader at home and start impacting people around you and really joining the movement. Go to robsreliability.com slash leadership and sign up for the next High Impact Leadership Program. It's starting in June 2021. So definitely go right now. We're giving you $500 off until May 21st. So you're going to want to get that on that quickly. I'm looking forward to working with you. I'm looking forward to setting you out on your impact journey. Thanks for listening. And here's the interview with Brian Bieschke. We are back. Welcome back to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. And as always, we have our in-house leadership mindset coach and former Princeton Tiger, Susan Hobson. Susan, how are you? I love how you threw that in there, Rob. I'm excellent as always. Thank you. I've I've been working on my intros lately, you know, like Lauren starts to like them get longer and longer and longer. So I'm doing my best. Pretty good. Pretty sharp. That's right. And and as you know, we have a special guest today. We have Brian Bieschke. Brian is, in my opinion, an, a huge up-and-coming leader in the maintenance and reliability community. One of the first people that I've talked to that actually leads people at a facility that does heavy maintenance and thinks about their people first. And I think that that was the reason why we connected in the first place, Brian. But Brian, before we get into that, how are you? I'm great, Rob. I'm um, sitting here in my office with the Mississippi River behind me and um, just uh, getting after it. Hey, you're, you're definitely getting after it. And let's start off there, right? And and something you said to us before we jumped on the call was, we see you suited up, you're wearing PPE, you're wearing the high-vis outfit. And you said that a lot of the leadership or the management at your site is supposed to wear, you know, business casual or whatever clothes, but you actually like to get out in the field. Do you want to talk about like, why is that so important for leadership and why is that important to you? So, um, you know, I come from a military background where, you know, it's, it's no secret that, you know, we lead by example. Um, and it's important coming from a place of, I was a wrench turner, right? I was a mechanic majority of my, my career and knowing just like you knowing in these mines and these facilities where there is a lack of that. It's here's a paper, do this. Uh, or I told you this in the morning meeting, this is what you need to do. Uh, meanwhile, there's a high chance that that person has never done your job. And, um, I have found, and I would argue that the people that work for me would also say that having a leader that has done their job uh, knows the ins and outs of their job has been extremely beneficial, not only from a human standpoint, but from a production standpoint. Um, I know that I can't give somebody a task that takes five hours and tell them to do it in two. Um, so, so they know that. And also, you know, I, I have a saying, I don't think you guys ever heard me say it, but I always say, when in doubt, lead. And that leadership is a, is a physical leadership. You know, like I told you guys a, a week or two ago, you know, I'm asking my people to pull long hours through weekends, seven days a week, 14 days straight, um, they need to see me. They need to know that uh, I'm vested in that that process and that journey with them. Um, and that, like we talked about over our, our course of our program, right, is, uh, is trust. It helps them trust me and know that I have their best interest in mind because I'm willing to do the same things I'm asking them to do. So that's the, that's the big reason. 
I love it. And, and that's something that you, you did mention, Brian, is we don't see that enough in, in our industry is people who actually lead by going out there. We see a lot of this sort of command and control, keep people at di- distance. And I think it's failing us. Now, I guess coming back to it, I mean, like you touched on it a little bit, but like, what does leadership mean to you? So I, 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 try to main, remain as consistent and as authentic as I possibly can be, you know, and I said day one coming into uh, our relationships is that, you know, I, I want to be a part of the process or be someone who helps create value in other people. And you also hear me say that people create their own value, but I, I want to be a facilitator of that value of that, that success. I want people to know that their value is theirs they create it, and I'm merely here to make sure that it is achievable um, through whatever avenue it may be, recognition, monetary, time off, uh, whatever aspirations that is, you know, as a leader, that's my role. Um, I mean, us as leaders, we're accountable for so many other things that we talk about, you know, KPIs and metrics and downtime and, you know, all these crazy things, but all that stuff doesn't mean anything if the people uh, with you um, that you work with or work that work for you or you work for don't understand where they're connected to that. And that's, that's huge for me. So. Yeah. You spoke about that, wearing your uniform, right? So everybody can see you're not afraid to get down in the dirt with them, right? Roll up your sleeves and, and, you know, get on the front lines. And I think it really is everything in terms of leadership strategy. You talked a lot about how you, the importance of them trusting you. So do you want to speak a little bit about that strategy? Because I think that is what we're trying to illuminate in this podcast, right? It's just like how big of a blind spot it is for these 1.0 command and control leaders, right? It's like they totally don't seem to understand how important a piece that trust piece is with their people. You clearly do. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it comes from a, a good place, I believe, you know, um, that in, in my history in maintenance, I had to trust the people that I worked with um, because in some relation, in some um, aspects of that, my life depended on it or their life depended on it. And the, the relationship and the trust and the open communication that you build with people through those scenarios is, is a, is a very hard, it's, it's a very hard thing to describe, you know? Um, And I, I find myself in my, my life as a leader is trying to replicate that with the people who work for me or with me or I work for. It doesn't really matter. Um, so I always try my best uh, to people to trust and that I'm going to do what I say um, and, and uh, know that I, that I have their best interests in mind uh, wherever I'm able to facilitate that, that uh, objective. So. Yeah, that's really the, the significant connection piece here in terms of the leadership strategy of it, right? It's like if, if your people don't trust you, I think that is where it starts to break down in terms of your ability to really impact their growth and therefore impact the result or the bottom line or the KPIs. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, my, my view of leadership is just that, right? It's a facilitation of success, facilitation of value. And if I'm that, if I'm driving that boat, they got to know that I'm not some whack job who's going to steer it into a, a, a awful waterfall, right? I mean, they have to know that the vehicle for your for their success or whoever's success is a stable vehicle, and and that is facilitated and trust is that encompassing body 
to that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's where we talk about the difference of impact and influence, right, Rob? It's like, sure, you can scare your people into doing what you told them to do, but what's going to happen when you look the other way, <laughs> right? Like the, the ripple effect of that in terms of, yeah, they're not, they're not trusting you, obviously. And so, yeah, their uptake on what it is that you're asking them to do, obviously, is then going to be affected, right? Yeah. So I'm kind of split on that, right? You know, I think that impact and influence go, you know, they're, they're both necessary, you know, in order to impact someone um, meaningfully, you have to be able to influence them in some way. Right. Um, And that is, you know, is trust in my opinion. I just think the difference in terms of how we're seeing it over here at the leadership launchpad project is that, you know, influence can be used for good or evil. Right. You got it. That's however you wield it. Right. And that's what's, that's what's important about who's driving that boat. Exactly. And we're all about evil here. <laughs> Not so much. Yeah, but no, but it's something it's true. Right. And I think like I was in a meeting the other day where people were trying to facilitate feedback from the audience and even the facilitator was a third party consultant and they're asking for feedback but yet the call is not anonymous and there's a group of people on the call and they ask like specific questions and you could have heard a pin drop on that, on that video. Well, it wasn't video, but that, that audio meeting. And I think like, to me, that's what I've seen throughout my entire career. Even like when I've been a consultant, I've had people, I've showed up at site and I've had people like literally download everything that's going wrong on their site to me so yep. I could tell the manager. Right. And like, it just that shows. avenue's not yeah. there. Right. And that's like the, the trust and the psych safety needs to be there. So then you can facilitate that conversation and you don't need somebody else to come and do it yeah. for you. So just, just today, I'm, I'm, in, I'm sitting in my office. I have two, two, two uh, uh, managers that are working on a project for me and a, a technician walks by. This is a lube guy. He walks by my office and he goes, hey, you got a second? said, sure. But I always like to say, have you talked to your boss first, right? Because I want to make sure that that those people are keyed into issues and they have the opportunity to solve those issues should it be necessary. It it didn't happen to be that way, but he knows he he can, he's greasing something. He knows he can come right to my office and ask, Hey man, I saw this out there. Like, what do you think? I'm not, that's, that's the avenue. That's the trust. He knows that he can skip three levels of leadership and go, Hey man, this is a, to me is a difficult thing, but it might be basic to you. How do we figure this out? No problem. Like that's, that's a safe thought for him. And I value that. And I always, I always tell them, I'm like, come see me, come see me, come see me. But if it's something, you know, make sure that the your local leadership is aware of it as well, you know, because I don't, I don't want to start the, the chain jumping because all it does is it, um, it undermines my leadership and I, and they need to know that they are just as valuable as the person who's trying to jump the chain. So that was just, you know, something that popped in my mind just for actually. It, two hours. It's, it's real. Right. And I think that's the, that's the difference is a lot of organizations, they talk about open door policies and they have them. And in theory that could happen, but yet it never does. No one's going to do it. Yeah. And you fostered the trust and the relationships and the psych safety to allow it to happen. And, and that big, shows everything about you. A big vehicle to that, Rob, is I've been in their shoes. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's the empathy that you feel for their experience, right? That makes you totally understand where they're coming from. It also makes you relatable to them, right? Which is a big part of why they trust you too. But you really spoke to a piece that I want us to really help our audience understand. We talk a lot about in Leadership 2.0, the importance of empowered leadership and really empowering your people and creating a culture in terms of your people, people being really empowered to speak up right? And to seek solutions and to not be afraid to ask for help if they don't know something and, and they don't have a resource that maybe they should or, or, or whatever. Do you want to speak to that piece a little bit in terms of like what strategies you use to really, you know, exhibit that type of leadership strategy? Sure. Um, so I think the first place, you know, I try to start, you know, no one's perfect. And I try to start in making sure that those individuals understand the role the function of what they're doing, you know, because you, you can't, you can't just assume that people know what they're supposed to be doing. You know, that's why in maintenance, we're so, we're so caught up on repeatable procedures and, and, and things like that, because we need to control variability in, in the human aspect of, of doing the work. Right. But, you know, I always, I try to make it to where training is first. They, they know the role, the task, whatever it may be that I'm trying to, in, in, uh, be a leader of, right? And then to empower them, meaning I, I let them dictate their own future, their own um, failures in that process. You know, I'm not, I'm not putting a cap on their uh, decision-making. I'm letting them make decisions and I'm letting them fail or I'm letting them having the opportunity to come and say, hey man, I know you said uh, I can do X, Y, and Z, but it's not working. Right, you know? right. And then I, I just keep facilitating that, like, you don't need me. What do you need me for? You know what you're doing. Do you tell me? You tell me what, what you want to do, and then we'll talk about it. And nine times ten, they're right. They're doing it every day. They're right. They just don't have the confidence because they've been either beaten down in the past, not trusted. Um, and I, I, I say this all the time. I'm not, I'm not here to hire people and then tell them what to do. What is the point of that? Why would I hire a highly skilled technician and then try to tell him how to do his job? I want him to tell me, right? And then by them being trained properly, by me reinforcing the empowerment of their decision-making um, and their process-oriented thinking, then they start to be autonomous. Then they don't, they don't need me. Exactly. I want to be the least important person. They don't need me. As they become autonomous, then they start to own everything they're doing. And then you have a guy who's going into the shop saying, whoa, we shouldn't be doing it like that. And they're like, what do you mean? You're, who are you? It's like, well, I've been blessed with this authority to make my own decisions in life or in maintenance or whatever. And I'm, then they start to propagate it with each other. Like, dude, you shouldn't do that. Or if that's a problem, you should say something, you know, because you've empowered somebody and that empowerment and that trust that you built, it spreads. You know, just like a negative, like, like if I reprimanded somebody and whatever, that's going to spread just as fast. Right. Exactly. But if I, but if I can use, if I can spread the empowerment, the autonomy, the, the specifics of their training, that's going to spread just as much. Right. So yeah, I think that's the between impact yeah. and uh, to us in the way that we speak about it. Right. It's like you can influence somebody by getting them to do what you need them to do. 
But in terms of being able to actually impact their growth, which is what we started this session saying leadership really is all about, I think really there's a difference between teaching a man or a woman how to fish, right? And like feeding them for a lifetime or, you know, fishing for them and feeding for a day. So I just think that that is absolutely the power behind these 2.0 leadership strategies is the ripple effect of it, right? Because that is how you start to really impact the culture of the organization. Yes. Yeah. Empowering your people. I mean, there's nothing more empowering than a leader that says, I, I trust you. You got this. You know, I hired you for a reason. You're good at what you do. I see the value in you. It's just like a lot of times people underestimate the value of that from a leader because they don't understand, like, just because that person's an expert does not mean that they're confident in their expertise, does not mean that they trust it. It definitely does not mean that they've even had leaders before that have, have given them the space, right, to experience that. Yeah, I want to facilitate it. I want them to, I want them to arrive at it and it be uh, meaningful to them. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing. What else do you stand for as a leader, Brian, in terms of like some of the really, really, really core core values in terms of who you are and, and how you actually lead these people? So, I mean, I'll, I'll be a broken record. Um, I, I, I connect with them as humans. That is my goal. Um, I'm a regular person. Right? I, it, the, it, everyone's, we, we're all the same. Um, and we all have our, our niches about our character and home life and, and, and things like that. And that's what I do. I, I, I connect to them with them as a human. I want to understand what makes them tick. I want to know what they value outside of work. You know, because work's not everything. Um, and I mean, that's that's the main core of my leadership, right? But other than that, accountability is a huge thing for me. Um, myself being accountable to the team and then vice versa, right? Accountability is huge. And I've learned over my career as a leader uh, that if someone doesn't want to be held accountable, they're, they're not. You know, it's, it's a very difficult thing. You can inspire them. You can do these things. But they're never going to take the ownership of it, right? It's, it's a difficult thing. So human connection and, and accountability are two very core uh, leadership. So is everything <laughs> a leader, right? Because I think you take the time to see them on that human level, to make them feel seen and heard, and, and even further than that, to get to know what they're all about. I mean, that really is what empowers you with the intel that you need in terms of what really drives that person, right? Like you, you talked about getting getting to know their values outside of work. Yeah, I just think that that's, that's the difference, right? Between command and control, do what I'm telling you to do. And like, let's just get into alignment about the, how this is actually in alignment with what it is that's most important to you. Right. So that not only I can understand that and, and make sure that I nurture that as your leader, but so that you actually have the awareness in your own lane. Right. You know? Yeah, I think it's very empowering. And then the accountability, too, is like that's how we show that we care. We circle back. We check in on how it actually went. We see if there's any further support that they need. That also is a big part of making sure that they understand that you're there for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. How about in terms of what you see as being the biggest, most common mistakes? Because like you were saying, you know, like you obviously have been in the military, you have been in this game for over a decade, right? In terms of this uh, maintenance and reliability world, 
what are some of the biggest blind spots or mistakes that you see leaders doing still to this day? Um, right off the top of my head without really, you know, like I told you guys, I'm a thinker. I like to contemplate. Um, but I would say uh, the ego, uh, putting your ego and allowing your, well, I'm sorry, allowing your ego to be driving the way you communicate and, and work with people. And leadership, and, and, and Rob, I'm sure he's got a wealth of understanding with this because we come from the same place, right? Mining and, and heavy in industry maintenance. And um, I've been on both sides of it, just like Rob has. And it, it's, it's the authoritarian. It's, I am the boss, so I automatically know more than you know. Right. Um, and and uh, it's such a fallacy. And that's ego, that's ego driven. That is, look at me. I'm this, you're that, you have to do what I say. I have a, I can do whatever I want and you have to do it. And that some people that brings them extreme joy, um, knowing that they have that power and control over somebody. Um, and I, I mean, I, I could, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it because it just, <laughs> it, it, uh, it really gets to me because I've worked for people like that. And, um, I don't work for them anymore. <laughs> yeah. So it's that simple, you know, some people will put up with it because they've never had someone to, to show them that there is something else. And there are other people who will value you and, sh- and, and boost you and lift you up and, and make you better by being a part of people who are better than you, you know? Um, yeah. But that ego is a huge one. I think any, any leadership fallacy that you can think of is tied back to some sort of, ego or positional fixation. Um, it's just crazy to me in the military. Now get me wrong in the military. There's a lot of that. That's what it's about. That's the very structure of what it is. And I had to navigate that. Right. And, and, and I'd be lying if I said that I, I wasn't, didn't partake in things like that in certain situations because it was necessary, but but I am least I want to I'm I learned from it. And like we talked about when you and I had our one on one is that I went so far to one side. Right. I had no middle ground. Right. Because I was so used to a certain structure of, of leadership that I had to deal with. And I morphed to. Right. Because I had to be successful. But then when I got out of that, I was thinking, man, this isn't going to work. It's got to be another way. You know, yeah. this was like 20, 2012. And I'm like. I got this. We got to figure something out here. Uh, so yeah, you, I, I would say ego. You knew you had to figure it out how that felt on the receiving end, right? right? It's like a total abuse of power when you think about the whole strategy of power over versus power within, which is what we just described with the way that yeah. you lead, right? With the, with the way that you lead now. And if you were to ask a huge majority of maintenance people in general, I'm sure Rob can attest to this, is that a lot of times those leaders had never done your job. They had no idea. Right. They weren't, they, they had, they had no part in what you were doing. They were merely the boss. Right. <laughs> so it was that much harder. Yeah. It, it, there's, I see two things, right? I see two things in industry. One is I see, and this is kind of where I'm going to, I'll go with it. But uh, the first one I see is like, people who get promoted because they're good at a skill. They're an individual contributor 
they're good at fixing pumps or they're good at like in an engineering perspective, like they're good at reliability engineering or maintenance engineering. So they become the maintenance manager. That's like the next step for them. And I was even listening to a podcast the other day and it was saying that basically like there's almost a 10 year gap between the, the average time that someone becomes a manager to the time that they get leadership training or leadership development training. And like, it's cause it's like basically high performers get, you know, start to become managers at like 25, 26, something like that. And like, it's like around 35 where they're getting the training. Don't, don't quote me on those stats, but, but yeah. And it's like, what I wanted to kind of point to you, Brian is like, you were, or you are an expert mechanic and you know how to do these jobs. How did you like for people out there who recently have become promoted to a a management style or a management position, like how did you make the pivot from thinking of yourself as I fix this thing to I lead these people? So I'm my ego, my, and that's what I, like you're saying that, you know, highly technical people, they get forced. The reason they are so good at their job is because they love themselves. (laughs) <laughs> they want to be the, they want to be the best. Yeah. It's it's simple. I I wanted to be the best at at what I did. So I thought about me, right? I mean it's no secret. That was that's the goal. That's how you get recognized to be even um thought about for these opportunities. For me, the shift the shift was really uh knowing where the, the, the issues that, that I had or the, the things that I saw that weren't, I don't like saying fair, but weren't congruent with my morals or, or my goals or whatever. Once I became a leader, those things were still there for people. And I didn't want the people who worked for me to go home and say, the reason I hate my job is because of this person. Right. I, I didn't want, I didn't want to be the leader who, when I showed up, everyone's like, like, damn it. Yeah. I didn't want to, f- just by my mere presence, I didn't want to force people out of their, their presence of being a hundred percent in what they're doing. And so I didn't, I made it about them. I, I made everything about them. When I went, when I would go, drive down to the shop, you know, I'd ask them what they were doing, you know, uh, is there anything I can do for you? What can I do for you? Because I didn't have anybody doing that for me. Uh, except in the Navy, I, I won't get, I had some good leaders in the Navy, but, um, but like, I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be the guy. Cause I had been in the groups in the shop in the morning where like, so-and-so's here today. We used to, when I worked for, I'm not gonna say where, when I worked for a certain place, we would pray that our foreman did not come to work. Wow. It was as soon as he walked in the door, it was a toxic feeling and we all felt it. It was something that actually united us. <laughs> and and i never wanted to be that person um and i think that's the driving factor i wanted to i wanted to make positive changes in in people i wanted people to be better than me i wanted i wanted i wanted to know that if a mechanic worked for me that in five years he'd be smarter than i was that was my whole goal i have a young man who works for me in baltimore um who's 24 he's a lead man He's only been there two years. He has people that 
are not lead men who are in their late thirties because he put in the time, he put in the work, he, he showed everyone that he wanted to be the best, but he didn't leave people behind in being the best, you know? And, and that's why he's the lead man. And I, I thought about people first. I've always thought about people first. And unlike what you said, Rob, about the 10 year gap is when I was at, I'll say at host, when I was, I came in as leadership, right? I wasn't, I didn't work my way up here at host. I came in as leadership within a year. I had went to CCL. So that was another pillar that allowed me to really say, wow, what I'm doing is working, but how do I refine it? How do I make it more structured? How do I, how do I learn about feedback? How do I learn about, um, you know, emotional intelligence and things that I was, and still am to a point lacking in certain aspects of my, my leadership. So. I think that's that's buried in that message. It's like, you know, people who are all-star individual contributors, that's what drives them inside. They just want to be the best, want to be the best, want to be the best. But it's like when these people step into a leadership position, then all of a sudden being the best requires a team, requires right. like teammates running alongside of you that trust you, but also that requires earning their respect, which is everything I think that you have clearly displayed so brilliantly today in your interview is just like how fundamental a piece that is and how well you've been able to crystallize and, and, and understand that. Yeah, I always tell them I, 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 I am the least important person. Plain, plain and simple. I am the least important person. And I try to even in my maintenance programs, I try to be the least important person because I need I need to know that when, if I leave tomorrow, if I walk out of here tomorrow, that the process is in place, the people are established and, and the culture is right and they're empowered. And it's like I was never here in the first place. Mm-hmm. I'm the least important person. The people doing the work are the important people. My, I do work, right? But it's, it, in my opinion, it's not the value adding work. Mm-hmm. human we the human with the with the tool in their hand is the value adding work that's you add value to your people they add value for you i think the other thing we want to really illuminate and highlight in brian's story is like he totally 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 models the value of growth right like this is what i sometimes see as being one of the biggest blind spots itself in leaders is that they don't understand they're there to help other people grow and that that requires that they constantly keep digging in and keep getting curious in terms of where their opportunities for growth lie and i think that's that's clearly been demonstrated in everything you just said too is that you've had an unending curiosity in terms of how to make yourself a better leader yeah, so many leaders don't understand that like just because they've been nominated a leader does does not mean that, that that learning road ends, right? In fact, it's sometimes where you gotta really dig deeper and accelerate that. Yeah, I mean there's there's no end point. It's uh just like uh, establishing RCM in a in a facility. You're not establishing RCM for a, an end point. It's a continuing process that never stops. You can't just say, All right, we've implemented RCM. Yeah. And if anybody says that, they don't know what RCM is. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we both know that, that that's something else for a different podcast. Uh, but Brian, like if if people are out there and like they're going to listen to this, like what is a takeaway or a couple of takeaways that you have for them that would help them 
implement something that you're talking about today? I would say close your mouth and open your ears and go talk to people who are actually doing the job, whether it be an engineer, a, an accountant, uh, a, an admin, shut up and go learn and understand what, what it, it takes to do their job. Um, and then also understand that them in this job is not really who they are they could be a completely different person somewhere else. And you need to know that person because in order for you to effectively create value, help facilitate their success, you have to know who that person is. Um, and don't, don't discount being friendly. I know I'm very stoic a lot. Um, and I don't know why, <laughs> but, um, you know, just a simple, what's up, man. How's it going? You might be in passing. What's up, dude? How's it going? Everything good? It, you wouldn't believe the, you never know what someone's, let's put it this way. You never know what someone is going through. So be nice and understand that people are people. They have the same needs, wants, dreams as everybody else. And you need to connect with them on a human level first. It doesn't matter if you're a maintenance manager, you're a technician, you're a veterinarian, you're a pilot. It doesn't matter um, because in the grand scheme of things, we have a very short time on this floating rock in, in the nothingness and you will be remembered by how much of a dick you are and not how nice you are. So that's going to be your legacy, right? It's how you make people feel. I think that's a very, very, very awesome way to bring this on home. Cause that really is what this whole 2.0 leadership is about, right? It's like emotions is obviously what's going on behind the gates of a human's experience that really is responsible for driving the decisions that they make. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's everything. Yeah. And with, and with that, Brian, like if people are listening, they want to connect with you, where should they go? Uh, so I have a LinkedIn, um, just like everybody, uh, Brian Bieschke. Uh, and then I have a Slack community, which has become a really awesome thing. Same name. Um, and then uh, upkeepconnect.org, uh, uh, myself, Rob, and Dylan, and a lot of very, very sharp, uh, beautiful people on there that want to help. Um, and uh, the, those are basically my three. So I would just disagree on the beautiful part. <laughs> but, but other than that, we are definitely <laughs> sharp people. <laughs> inside, inside, Rob. That's right. <laughs> Uh, people don't come to the maintenance. They don't hire us for our good looks, right? <laughs> uh, speak for yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah. So everyone listening, you know, we appreciate you listening so much. Um, if you want to please subscribe to Leadership Launchpad Project on your favorite podcast platform, we're available Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you have it. And then follow us, Leadership Launchpad Project. We're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, and we're on YouTube. And if you want to check out, we have a landing page on the website, elitehighperformance.com slash leadership, and you'll be notified. You can sign up for our newsletter, but you'll also be a, a, a notified of the new podcasts or the new leadership programs and all the new stuff we got going on. So definitely connect with us there. Brian, thanks for joining us today. Thank, Thank you, Brian. You. That was awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And we'll see you all next week.